0: This is Your Partners in Pain, a podcast that aims to bring together those who live with pain, healthcare providers who treat chronic pain, and researchers working on topics that affect people living with pain. This podcast is a must listen for anyone experiencing pain or anyone trying to help those who live with it. Your Partners in Pain is presented by the Saskatchewan Pain Society, also known as SAS Pain, and I am your host, Alexandria. Each episode, we are going to speak to Saskatchewan-based healthcare providers and researchers who have information and education to share about pain science and pain care. We are also going to speak with everyday people as they share their incredible stories of living with pain and the techniques they've used to help manage it and live well. It is important to note that the information presented in this podcast represents the opinions of the host and the guests that appear on the show and not that of SAS Pain. The content presented should not be taken as direct healthcare advice, but for informational purposes only. Because each individual is unique, please consult your healthcare provider for any questions or concerns you have, or before you incorporate any of the ideas presented in this podcast into your own treatment plan. On episode 16, your longtime host, myself, Alexandria, is back and speaking to our incredible interim host, Jessica Jack. I don't feel like Jessica needs much of an introduction as she has been hosting the last couple of months and doing an absolutely incredible job, but we have invited her on today to share her experiences of pain. Jessica is currently a researcher on the Improving Pain in Saskatchewan Research Project and has almost completed her master's in anthropology here at the University of Saskatchewan in Saskatoon. During this conversation, we are going to deep dive into the normalization of pain. And if you don't know what that is, because I didn't either, she is going to tell us all about it, along with the importance of recognizing the intimate connection between emotional, mental, and physical health. We hope you enjoy. Jessica, thank you so much for your service and assisting with the podcast to keep things going for our listeners the last few weeks. In our last episode, Jessica actually interviewed me, but we are turning the tables where I'm going to speak to her about her lived experience of pain as I get back into this host role. So, Jessica, let's just dive right in. What can you tell us about your pain experiences? Sure. Um,
1: And even before I jump in, I'm just going to say it has been such a privilege and such an honor to be able to step in and host while you've been away. The people I got to speak with and the experiences I got to hear about, boy, I, I feel like, honestly, you gave me the treat when you had to step back a little bit. So I just want to put that out there. Thank you to everybody I talked to. It was it was truly an honor. Um, And to kind of honor those people who shared their own experiences with me, I'm really excited to tell you guys a little bit about uh, what I've gone through in terms of living with pain. Um, So I actually don't have a specific pain condition, or at least I don't have a specific diagnosis. And that is uh, a result of kind of an interesting set of circumstances. Um, So for me, physical pain is really rooted in uh, mental health experiences. So to the best of my understanding, um, when I experience um, usually anxiety, but it can be any strong emotion, it tends to manifest in physical symptoms. Um, And those include things like gut pain, um, pain in my breasts, or pain in my back. And over the last five years, I've actually found really amazing success in treating my physical pain by working on my mental health. Um, But This is relatively new information for me because up until five years ago, I didn't even realize that I'd been living with this intense, honestly debilitating chronic pain for the entirety of my life. Um, And it's because it wasn't until I started therapy for an unrelated instant that I realized that what I was feeling literally all of the time was pain. For me, the painful feelings that I had in in my belly, in my chest, in my back, they were just how my body always felt. For me, pain had really been normalized.
0: That sounds incredibly difficult. And to not even really realize that it's happening because it's been so normalized sounds like a wild experience, but probably not too dissimilar to a lot of other people. But when you say your pain has been normalized, can you explain more of what you mean by that? Absolutely. Um, So basically, I had
1: been living in painful conditions my whole life. Um, My body hurt because the home I was raised in and the people I was raised by were full of emotional pain. Um, So I never knew that life could be any different from that. Um, When you're growing up, the things that you experience within your family and within your community are really the only reference points you have for what the world is supposed to be like. You develop a baseline for what's normal by watching what happens around you, experiencing the things that other people are doing. And until you have something against which you can compare those normal experiences that you have... You don't really think that things can be any different. So you just live with what's going on. For me, that meant not realizing that I was in pain because I was surrounded by pain every day. I didn't know that there was a state of living without pain because when I looked at my parents, my siblings, um, my extended family, my friends, the people who were around me on a daily basis, all I saw reflected back at me was those experiences of pain. Um, You know, toxic people and and toxic relationships really just embedded for me that pain was normal.
0: That's super fascinating. And I think when we speak of pain being an intergenerational experience, you were really painting a beautiful picture of that. Not that it's beautiful, but just a great way to explain it. And this is something we really haven't dug into on the podcast But I am smiling over here a little bit because this is very similar to my own experiences. But I didn't know that normalization of pain was even a term or a concept that I could apply to it. So thank you so much for sharing that with us. But given the experiences you're sharing, when did you notice that your normal started to change? Mm,
1: Well, and that's a good question Um, because I didn't really realize that life could be lived without pain until I was in my late 20s. Because the source of my pain is emotional and therefore kind of difficult to shift as a state of normality. You know, no one can ever really go into your head and see the emotions that you're experiencing and really dissect them and show them to you in an objective way unless you access, you know, certain things. And for me, that thing was therapy. You know, that was the first time I'd ever really let anyone in on what was going on for me emotionally. So that was my first chance to really get a taste of the fact that what I was going through didn't have to be normal. Um, So accessing mental health therapy allowed me to realize that I was living with pain and that I had to shift to a new baseline of what was emotionally normal. I learned that it wasn't normal for most people to live in a constant state of anxiety, uh, to be stressed and hypervigilant every moment of the day, to always be on the verge of either rage or tears. Um, And as as I began to move away from that idea of normality, um, how I lived with my body began to shift as well. I started to experience moments of what I now realize were relief from that physical pain. Um, At the time, I was very confused. I didn't understand that it was relief, Um, but there were times where my guts would unclench, where my breath didn't catch in my lungs, uh, where I could stand up straight without wincing And at first, those moments were actually really devastating because they provided a glimpse at a new baseline, a new state of normal, which was just not being in pain. And with that source of comparison, I was suddenly confronted with the fact that I had been living in pain. And as I'm sure most of the listeners of this podcast know, when you become aware of pain, it can make that pain seem so much worse. So now that I knew that I was living with pain, the pain seemed to increase tenfold There was a period of months where I was the most miserable person to be around because I had to confront the fact that what I thought was normal was actually pain emotionally as well as physically. And it was so tempting to give up and stop doing the work that I was doing because it seemed to make everything so much worse. The pain was just it it felt it had always been ever-present, but now I knew it was ever-present, except for those brief, brief moments of respite. And that knowledge made things so much worse.
0: Absolutely. And I think this will resonate with a lot of people between how you're mentioning, you know, the hyper-vigilance the constant monitoring of our bodies. And I know that made my pain way worse when I was constantly looking out for it and then feeling very confused and unsafe when I actually had those pain-free moments. Cause it was just, it was a new level and experience that I wasn't used to, but what you're sharing is also a really common experience for people who start treating their pain and addressing their pain things often get so much worse before they get better. And some pain researchers like Alan Gordon, for example, who focuses a lot on the intersection of mental health and physical pain, actually call it something called the extinction burst, where your pain gets really, really horrible before you kind of hit that turning point. So can you tell us, how did you start to navigate it as you were experiencing the shift?
1: Ooh, well, even before I get into my own navigation, um, you bringing up extinction burst is actually really fascinating because um, that was something I had to learn about in therapy as well. Um, so I won't dive too much into the dynamics of my family and, and why they were as painful as they were, but um, something that happens in toxic family situations is that Basically, people are expected to go along as if everything is normal. Um, So even when odd or painful or angry things happen, you're expected to not rock the boat. You just treat everything like it's normal. And when I started to realize that these things weren't normal and I started to try to extricate myself from these toxic family dynamics... Um, my family members went through an extinction burst. And so in psychology, what this term refers to is um, basically a a person who ramps up their behavior tenfold. They they make it really intense. They, They might freak out. They might have a temper tantrum. They might, you know, spam you with a thousand text messages. They might call you nonstop. They might do all of these things. That seem really extreme because the point is to try to force the person who is at the receiving end of this treatment back into this normality, back into treating things like they're fine, even when they're not. So that was a really important part of me turning the corner with my mental health. And so it's really fascinating that pain researchers call this phenomenon an extinction burst when things get so much worse before they get better, because that was my experience in my mental health as well. I had to go through that extinction burst with my family members to get to the point where I could be free from those toxic dynamics. Uh, So just such an amazing parallel. But to get back to kind of uh, how physical pain for me was normalized and how I began to navigate that shift, um, honestly, at first didn't feel like it was a choice. Um, I now, you know, at that time knew that there was a possibility of living with less pain. So I couldn't go back to pretending that constant pain was okay. My brain had this new benchmark of moments without pain. So pretending that those weren't there anymore wasn't really a thing because as try as I might, I just kept going back to the fact that, Hey, it doesn't have to be like this. Um, so like I said, it didn't really strike me as a choice. I just kind of had to do the work to get better because I was already miserable. I had come to the realization that I was miserable. I was living in pain all the time. I wasn't a nice person to be around. I was just not in a good place. So trying really seemed to be the only way forward. Um, And I kept my eye on those glimpses of life without pain, the moments of respite, the instances of hope, the scraps of actually feeling like a human being. And sometimes I would forget how they felt after the moment passed, but the hope of feeling them again helped me to take the next breath, even when I felt like it was all pointless. And over time, those moments without pain grew into seconds without pain, then minutes, then hours, and eventually days would pass where I didn't even think about pain. It was just something that came up here and there. And so after six years of hard work and mental health therapy of various modalities, a great and supportive family doctor, which I recognize that I am very privileged to have, and an insane amount of yoga, um, I'm finally at a place where my normal is now that life without pain. Um, I don't know that I'll ever truly be pain-free because you know, life doesn't really work that way, but now pain is the rarity. Um, I want to say that I'm grateful for that, but the truth is that I've earned it 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 took work. It took a lot of really hard work and uh, everyone deserves to live life without pain. But, you know, the sad truth is that the way things are now, we have to do that work to try to achieve that goal of reducing pain, managing pain, eliminating pain.
0: You're bringing up so many good points. And I think a lot of people, myself included, when my pain became chronic and got really bad, I just wanted to go to someone and have them solve my pain for me. I'm like, give me the test, give me the medication, give me the surgery, just give it to me so that it's gone. And I don't have to do the work. And as we already discussed in the last episode, that was obviously not the experience. So you're bringing up like such important things that you really have to commit to putting in the work, to making change, to getting to that pain-free, however, we want to conceptualize that state And you're sharing such good information, but I do worry that some of the people listening may think that maybe we are reducing their physical pain to a purely mental or emotional experience. So how do you think that your experiences might apply to other people who are living with pain?
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, I don't think that everyone has pain the way I do. You you bring it up. There are plenty of people out there whose pain does start in their bodies. For me, it started in my brain. For other people, it starts in their bodies, Uh, or who might have medical conditions that cause pain that aren't going to be fixed just by going to a therapist, or for whom being pain free is not really an achievable goal. You know, they might want to work towards managing pain or treating pain, but recognize that it's not possible to live without their pain. Um, And so people in these situations have to do things differently and they have to set different expectations for themselves than the ones that I've described that I've applied to myself. Um, But I do believe that for everyone who experiences persistent or chronic pain, there is always a level of emotional involvement our, our brains don't do a good job of separating physical sensation from emotional sensation, and they all get tied together in the most complex ways. I'm sure I don't have to tell everyone listening. I'm sure we all know that it gets complex So understanding how our emotional normal interacts with our pain can be really helpful in making change to the way that we experience pain. And so for some people, that norm is going to be about stress and the way that they respond to it. Um, For other people, it might be about how sad we are about our pain or how hopeless we feel about treating or managing that pain or even a constant feeling of anger about having to live with that pain. I don't deserve this. I didn't do anything to, to deserve this, but I still live with this pain. And that really pisses me off. Um, and we often take these feelings for granted and we accept them as normal. And, and when we do that, we become blind to the way that they can impact our pain. So becoming aware of that normal, that emotional level of normal can really help to see how things can be different and how that can end up changing the way that we feel our pain.
0: For sure. And I agree with that. All across the spectrum, regardless of what kind of pain condition or pain label you received. I think Jessica has provided absolutely incredible insight here. But one question I do want to ask is how else do you think that this process of normalization has impacted pain and pain care?
1: Well, I mean, we could talk about this until the cows come home. I, I feel like it's a, it's a regular refrain on this podcast is this could be its own episode. So I will try to condense it and keep it fairly short here. Uh, but honestly, I think that pain is normalized in an uncountable number of contexts, honestly. Uh, so a couple just off the top of my head, um, women or people who live with uteruses and fallopian tubes what is often termed the female reproductive system um reproductive pain for them is incredibly normalized i know that i'm preaching to the choir given our last episode here but um because our organs produce pain as a result of their reproductive capabilities a, e.g. cramps during your period um, all pain in that area is assumed to be normal by the majority of canadian culture doctors included you know i i know that you've had those experiences and i know i've had them too of hey this hurts more than it feels like it should you know can you help me out oh no you just just period cramps you just take my all, you'll be fine when that is such a dismissive and invalidating way to handle somebody who is presenting with pain. So this leaves many people living with pain for no other reason than it's perceived as normal. Um, Another example is for men or people who present as masculine, um, ignoring emotional pain has been incredibly normalized Um, We've been normalizing reactions like anger and violence for masculine people and conversely unnormalizing other emotions like sadness or vulnerability, which makes it difficult for masculine people to get treatment for emotional pain. And I, you know, am a, a textbook example of what happens when emotional pain is left untreated. Um, and I'll refer back to your own research um, outside of of the chronic pain sphere uh, in terms of suicidology with veterans. Um, you know, when you're not able to process or express the feelings that you're having, it can compress and get worse and make everything so much un- so unlivable that you know, for some people, suicide feels like the answer. Um, and then, you know, beyond that example, more broadly in the medical profession, pain has been normalized to the point where it's only really seen as having significance as a symptom, not as a problem worthy of diagnosis and treatment on its own. So many healthcare professionals don't even ask about pain because they might expect you to be in pain as a result of having other health problems. And this gets you both coming and going because if you have a health problem, of course you have pain. That's normal according to, you know, the medical profession. And then if you have no other health problem besides pain, then your pain doesn't exist because it's not attached to another condition. Pain is only normal when there's an explanation for it. Otherwise, it isn't real. So there are a lot of ways that pain has
0: been normalized. And the sad reality is it
1: doesn't have to be that way.
0: You're bringing up so many super interesting points and you're right. I want this to be its own episode in and of itself um, about how pain has been normalized. But I also think there's been, you know, that normalization of trying to escape pain, that our lives are meant to be pain-free always, whether that's, you know, emotionally where there are good vibes only and really toxic positivity or that a back spasm means that we need to run to the doctor because that isn't normal and it needs to be eradicated immediately. So pain is such a complex and interesting topic and how, you know, those cultural norms and narrative ca- narratives can make us act or not act and just, that whole idea. So I love being able to have this conversation with you, Jessica. So what you're
1: saying about this idea of, of life being normal and not containing any pain, I feel is really, really fascinating aspect of all of this because that idea of toxic positivity and, you know, pain immediately being a problem actually really helped to disguise the the fact that i was constantly living in pain um because the idea was you know you you put on a smiley face you you just you know pretend everything is good and and you know that was kind of the default in the context in which i was raised so i feel like if there was this cultural norm of pain being okay in some instances, or maybe accepted as the warning signal that it's meant to be physiologically, then I would have understood the cues that were coming from my body. You know, because this idea that pain is immediately a problem and your life should be able to be lived without pain um, really undersells the experience of pain. Because Uh, Now I'm going to get philosophical a little bit about this, but for me, pain is supposed to be the antithesis to being happy essentially. And and whether that's your body is happy because it's functioning as it should, or your brain is happy because you're experiencing happy emotions, whatever kind of interpretation of happy you want to give it. Uh, But you know, Without experiencing pain, you have no contrast for the really great stuff. And I, I don't know if anybody watches uh, the, the the show The Good Place, but in the last season, they, they touch on this, and I think it's a really excellent example. Um, basically, when you live a life without pain, without negativity, without any kind of badness uh, of any kind the happiness loses meaning. You know, you, you lose sight of what your baseline is and happiness just becomes your new normal. It's, it's your base state and you start to lose those highs. You know, you don't get to experience euphoria when everything is euphoric, right? So, um, it's, it's complicated. Like you said, pain is so complicated because it shouldn't be normal to always be living with pain and it shouldn't be normal to always be living without pain. So I feel like for people who live with persistent or chronic pain, you get stuck in this really crappy place of trying to navigate what is the right amount of pain? Where should I be feeling pain? How should I be feeling pain in a way that makes sense in my life, in my context? And so, you know, I, I think back to conversations I had with Sarah Garden or with Jennifer Pond, uh, where they talked about, um, you know, basically retooling the way that your brain responds to pain. And, and I think that recognizing the importance of pain in those difficult, complex contexts is an important part of being able to manage or treat your pain more effectively than elsewise.
0: Yes, absolutely. And I think the bottom line here really is that pain is part of the normal human experience. So embracing it in the ways that we can and not frantically avoiding it is just something we have to accept and learn to manage. But The last time you were on the podcast, Jessica, we asked you about what your favorite thing about Saskatchewan is, like we usually do. And you gave a very beautiful answer about how much you appreciate the diversity of the ecological landscape here and just the people and the uniqueness of the province in general, which I loved hearing. So to avoid being completely redundant today... Is there anything you want to speak to in terms of your personal location, given that you do identify as someone who lives with pain in our province or just anything else you want to say about pain or pain care in Saskatchewan? sure um
1: so i am going to step a little bit outside of of the usual question and talk a little bit about how saskatchewan is uh, saskatchewaning saskatchewan is positioning itself in the, the broader canadian pain community because there's uh, an important and exciting update in that arena um so our very own susan tupper and other uh wonderful pain researchers and clinicians have come together all across the the country to create the National Action Network for Pain in Canada, which is called Pain Canada. Um, So you can check it out at paincanada.ca, but it's basically uh, meant to be a one-stop shop for people who uh, have pain, are looking to help with pain, or are just trying to make changes to the way that Canadians are experiencing and living pain. So uh, feel free to check it out, paincanada.ca. It's new, it's exciting, exciting and uh, I think it's going to be a really fantastic resource for people living with pain in Saskatchewan and uh, in every other province and territory as well.
0: I couldn't agree more and very exciting on the Pain Canada website is that they are actually hosting our podcast. So if you guys needed another place to come and listen to your partners in pain, you can definitely check out www.paincanada.ca. But with that, we're going to sign off on this episode. And Jessica, thank you so much for your service to the podcast and for speaking with us again today.
1: Thank you so much, Alexandria.
0: Thank you for listening to Your Partners in Pain, a podcast for people experiencing pain and those who help individuals living with pain. Funding for this podcast was provided by the Saskatchewan Community Initiatives Fund and the Saskatchewan Pain Society. For more information about our organization or to find additional resources, please find us on social media at Saskpain or visit our official website, www.saskpain.ca.